Today I want to spend the service realigning our focus. I know where the minds of most of the church tenders in our area are today. Most churches are focusing on how to be safe, and with good reason. Several term, times this week I've actually heard people say, nobody should have to worry about their lives being lost when they go to church. And I think when we say this, we forget but this is a constant reality for thousands of churches all over the world. Um, I think also we forget that the church was birthed in conflict, where standing for Christ was a constant threat to your life. We are extremely blessed to live in a nation where losing our lives for worshiping God isn't a constant fear we've had to deal with. However, today there is a great blessing in attending a church service and standing with Christ. For today, just in being in a church service, you are proclaiming an awesome testimony. You're saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm going to follow Christ even when things get tough. Yes, I'm going to choose to fellowship with other believers even when there is a risk involved. Yes, I'm not only going to bring myself, I'm going to bring my family to be with other believers because I believe fellowshipping with the church is worth the risk. We as a church must take our eyes off of this terrible tragedy and put it where it belongs, on Christ and the ministry that we have been called to give to a broken world. The worst thing that we can do in response to a tragedy such as the one that happened in Sutherland Springs, Sutherland Springs last Sunday is to isolate ourselves and start looking at outsiders as if they're the enemy. You see, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul writes to a church that suffered from persecution and hostility towards Christians on a regular basis. And I believe what he wrote to them is also a message for us. I want to read first, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 5. This is what it says. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. I beg you that when I come, I might not have to be bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standard of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul gives us some insight on how we might respond in uncertain times. He talks about meekness and gentleness. You know, these aren't really qualities that a person is looking for on a day like today. You see, today we're looking for Rambos, not Mr. Rogers. And yes, I'm aware of the urban myth that Mr. Rogers was a Navy SEAL or he was a Marine sniper that had 25 confirmed kills and tattoos up and down his arms. That's not true. The truth is, is that Mr. Rogers never served in the military. He was a Presbyterian minister who devoted his entire adult life to educating and bettering the life of children. And I want you to know that didn't make him weak. That made him very strong. You see, meekness is often seen as a weakness. If a person is gentle, they're considered to be powerless and they're not a threat. However, 
Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? How could the meek inherit anything but heartache? This is a place in Scripture where Jesus contrasted the, the way of the world with the ways of God. God's way of living usually contradicts with the world's. You see, if you want to live for God, it means you must be ready to talk and act in such a way that seems strange to the world. You must be ready to give when others take, to love when others hate, and to help when others abuse. Christ in his Sermon on the Mount contrasts the kingdom values, that which is eternal, from the worldly values, that which is temporary. Meekness and gentleness are not weakness. In fact, they require great strength. That strength that doesn't come naturally to us. In other words, we are enabled to be meek and gentle because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says there are times when he has had to be bold, especially when dealing with people who challenge his calling and his authority as an apostle. Paul spent most of his days responding to churches who refused to acknowledge him as an apostle, which is someone, if you don't know what an apostle is, that's someone who is personally sent by Christ. He says, I'm an apostle, and people challenged him on it all the time. What he's saying to the church in Corinth is, I hope I don't have to come and defend my credentials against you. I'm prepared to do that if I have to, but I certainly don't want to have to. And in this passage, Paul talks about a worldly standard of defense. The way of the world is to wage war upon one another. Countries take up arms against one another and fight in an aggressive manner. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 25:52, Those who live by the sword die by the sword. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't own a weapon, for Christ personally told his disciples to sell everything that wasn't necessary and purchase a sword in Luke 22:36. For a time might come when we have to defend ourselves with the sword. What it does mean is that we as his followers cannot live a lifestyle of violence, because if that's how you live, that is certainly how you will be leaving earth. Paul says in verses 3 through 4, we don't wage war the way the world does. For our weapons aren't the same weapons the world fights with. Don't miss his point. We are certainly at war, but not as the world understands it. Because all the world sees is itself. We can't physically see the spiritual realm, so why would we feel threatened by it? But Paul says in Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In short, our war is against Satan, his demons, and Satan's lies. Any man who walks into a church with the intent to kill does so because he has been deceived. Paul says our weapons are not weapons of the world, but on the contrary, our weapons have a divine nature, a godly nature, with the power to demolish strongholds. A stronghold is a place that is heavily fortified to protect against attack. The strongholds that Paul is referring to is, is the place in our hearts and in our minds where a particular cause or belief is strongly upheld. So, for example, I had a great uncle who fought in World War II on the beach of Iwo Jima. Um, he lost three of his fingers and nearly all of his friends in that battle, for only he and two others survived out of his entire division. Now, I certainly wouldn't want to undermine his military service. In fact, I owe him my deepest respects for fighting 
for the freedoms that I cherish and get to enjoy. However, because of what happened to him, because of what he endured and how he suffered, the man was extremely racist. Later in his life, he bought a house on the other end of town. And when he bought the house, it was a new development, and he didn't realize that it would later become the projects in town. That They would offer affordable housing to people of lower margin. And um, he did everything that he could to run off his neighbors because in his mind, he refused to live beside blacks and Mexicans. Satan firmly established a stronghold in his mind because that's what Satan does. He uses our experiences and our heartache to establish a strong belief that stands in the way of God's work. I want to read a quote from you for you from uh, Joyce Meyer's book, Battlefield of the Mind. This is what she says. She says, The devil is a liar. Jesus called him the father of lies and all that is false. See John 8, 44. He lies to you and me. He tells us things about ourselves, about other people, and about our circumstances that just aren't true. He does not, however, tell us the entire lie all at one time. He begins by bombarding our minds with a cleverly devised pattern of little nagging thoughts, suspicions, doubts, fears, wonderings, reasonings, and theories. He moves slowly and cautiously. After all, well-laid plans take time. However, he has a strategy for his warfare. He has studied us for a long time. He knows what we like and what we don't like. He knows our insecurities, our weaknesses, our fears. He knows what bothers us most. He is willing to invest any amount of time it takes to defeat us. For one of the devil's strong points is patience. The point that she's making is that Satan lies to us, and he has a strategy. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our desires. He knows our doubts. He knows our fears. You know, one of my worst fears is not that I would lose my life, for I'm ready to meet Jesus. My worst fear is that my wife and children would be taken from me and that I would survive, forced to walk this earth without them. So just like you, this tragedy in Sutherland Springs has affected me deeply. Satan wants to play off that fear and use it as a stronghold in our mind. In truth, however, Satan has been doing this our whole lives. I know I already have prejudices, fears, sinful desires, and little nagging thoughts that I don't want to face. And if I don't want to face it, then why is it so important to God that I do? Because Proverbs 23 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, we carry baggage around from things that happened to us. Maybe your mother constantly humiliated you and reminded you that you were worthless and that you were a loser. Maybe you've carried around the weight of those words your whole life thinking that you were a worthless loser. Maybe you were abused as a child and you have difficulty establishing firm boundaries and have an inability to say no to someone when they want to abuse you as an adult. You have an inability to tell them that's not okay. Maybe you've come to form your identity around a particular sin. Maybe you subconsciously remind yourself that you're an alcoholic or an addict or a homosexual or a loner or a slut or an adulterer. Understand that these aren't the things that the Lord is telling you. These are lies that Satan has deceived you into believing and has established a stronghold in your mind. But thank God for the work of Christ. The work of Christ is to tear down the strongholds by identifying the lies that we believe. 
the lies that hold us captive in the futility of our thinking. Jesus said in John 8, 31-32, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. By the power of God, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, as Apostle Paul says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, you need to begin paying attention and think about what you're thinking about. You can have a, uh, you can tell a lot about a person who spends their time, uh, what, what they spend their time thinking about by how they act and how they behave. You can, you can tell a lot about a person, what they spend their time obsessing over, by the attitude in which they have. As the philosopher Descartes once said, I am, there, I think, therefore I am. And while he was specifically referring to the existence through self-consciousness, I believe that there is a biblical principle there. Your thoughts lead to action. So you must, as the Apostle Paul says, take those thoughts captive. Now, I have closely followed this tragedy, and I realize that at some point, it stopped being about information and how I could help and how I could prevent something like that from happening at our church. And it just turned into fear. You see, the devil wants to callous my heart towards outsiders. When I get burned, he wants me to, to protect me and mine from everybody that I don't yet know. He wants me to isolate myself and build up my defenses so that I see every outsider as the enemy. Thankfully, however, I have been able, I have been enabled, and I've been given the power to use one of the greatest weapons in our arsenal. This week, when I've been afraid, I've been praying. Not just for the survivors in Sutherland Springs. I've been praying for me. I've been praying that God wouldn't let Satan build up a stronghold in my heart because of this tragedy. I've been asking him to tear down the walls that Satan has already started building because of it. God has reminded me that this deceived and twisted up man was never my enemy. Don't believe Satan's lies. You are not weak. You are not truly vulnerable. You're not a loser. You are not forgotten. You have not been abandoned. God is our refuge. God is our strength. Jesus promised he would never leave us nor forsake us, and he hasn't. Though the world is hostile towards the ways of God, Christ has firmly established his church in the world, and no matter what, the gates of hell will not overcome it. So we must take our concerns, we must take our fears, we must take our anxieties and turn them over to the Lord to be used for His glory. We must remember that God has a plan and He uses all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. We must remember that what the devil uses for evil, God turns around and uses for His good. So I want to ask you, where are the strongholds in your life? Where are the strongholds in your mind? Where are the strongholds in your heart? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? Try to understand that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us the power to renew our mind 
and to set our minds on things above, not things below. Ask God to reshift your focus. Ask Him to take your mind off the things that are temporary and to help you refocus your mind on the things that have eternal value to Him. Ask God to help you stand and fight with a meek spirit, with gentleness, and with love. Most of all, ask for the power to fight against the devil and his lies. For although he might win a few battles, when we're with God, we have already won the war.